All right, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Genesis chapter 2, the beginning of the Bible, find verse 7. And today we're going to talk about how precious the gift of life really is. And um, I hope, hope you realize you have a creator. hope you realize that God made you. He made you for a reason. And that reason is to know him and to live with him forever. Before we start, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to bless our time in this message, his word. Father, we thank you for the gift of life that you've given each one of us. Help us to value it, Father, for your glory. Help us to value it, Father, as a, a precious gift that you've given to us. And thank you, Father, for the new life that we can have in Jesus Christ. That, that new life that he can give us is the life you want us to have, the life you created us to have and to live. And, Father, we know that even though we uh, know Christ as our Savior, even those of us who do know him, we fail you at times, too, Lord. We sin. We fall short of your glory of what you want for us. Forgive us when we do that, Father. Bring us back into your presence. Accept us as your people. And Father, today as I speak about the, the precious gift of life, I pray that you would guide and direct me. My thoughts, my heart, my words, things that I say and how I say them. Let them be perceived as, uh, as to be said with a, a kind heart. And help us to realize, help me to, to, to communicate and so that people realize, Lord, that that, Father, life is from you and that you value it, and so should we. And forgive our country, Lord, that has uh, killed so many young unborn children, boys and girls that could have been a blessing in this world. Forgive us as a culture. Forgive us as your people. Forgive us, Father, for this great failure of sin. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're living in a confused time. We've been living in a confused time for quite some time. I would say for most of my life, American culture has been a very confused culture about many things. And today it is really getting to the point of extreme. People today are confused about all kinds of issues. Think of gender today. Who would have thought? Who would have thought 20 years ago we would be confused about gender? The, the big issue is gender fluidity. And the, fa the sad thing is that I see and hear about is parents raising their children to be confused about their own gender, about are they boys, are they girls, what is going on with all of that? I don't get that. That's very, very confusing to me. People are confused about truth. People resist the idea that there is a universal truth that is for all people, applicable to all people in all places and all times, that this truth is real. People question today, what is true? What is truth? And there's much confusion about that. People are confused about life. I'm talking about life, not just uh, um, the cultural life, but I'm talking about the actual life that we're given when we're conceived and when we're born. Uh, people don't know, uh, don't want to. People are confused about when life begins. When does life begin for you? For me, it's when we're conceived. We're conceived. We have everything. God puts together everything to be who we are. People are confused about what the value of life is. One of the things that disturbs me about our country today is we're getting into this really extremely um, governmental governance of always war. We're always at war. Why are we always at a country? Why are we always at war constantly? Why? Why? What's going on with that? War is one of the greatest destroyers of life. All I can say is if you're confused about something like these, one of these things, whether it's gender or truth or, or the value of life, I would say to you to seek God. 
Seek God. Let God guide and direct you. He has an answer for whatever it is confusion. Maybe you're struggling with some other issue that I haven't even brought up this morning. Maybe you're trying to figure out something about life in general that's confusing to you. I would say seek God. I would say that God has the answer. He's the creator. Our country's Declaration of Independence is a great uh, document, a historical document. Listen to what it says. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. One of the things I like about our Declaration of Independence is how it says that all men, meaning all people, all men, women, boys and girls, you don't have to be an American to have this right. You can, you can be uh, an Irish person from Ireland. You can be from Africa. You can be from Asia. All people are created or endowed with, by their creator with inalienable rights. And that is the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So this is not just a core American value. It should be a worldly value because it's a godly value. That statement from the Declaration is just so clear. It's so simple. There shouldn't be any confusion about the preciousness of life. God, I'm sorry, God defined the value of life as a universal right, and yet there's still that great deal of confusion about life itself. I've come to believe, this is just my belief, after wrestling over this issue for so long, I've come to believe the main reason why some people don't value life is because they don't value God. They don't know their creator. And that is one of the saddest things, I think, in the world today. You can't value anything the right way without God, because God made everything. And if he didn't make it, he made it possible. Right? Yeah, because he gave people intelligence. He gave people the materials in this world to create things, whatever that may be. It might be, you know, your phone. God, did God create your very phone? No, but he made it possible. So uh, I think you, you can't value anything in this world the right way without God. Listen to this, Romans 1.25, the Bible says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. That is so very true today. That guides and directs our culture in almost every area of life. That they would rather serve or worship created things than the creator. Do you know the primary reason why babies are aborted in America today? It's not because of money. It's not because they don't have a home. Uh, they're seen as an inconvenience. That is the primary reason. Not the only. It's the primary reason why children are aborted today. Because they're seen as an inconvenience. People want to serve themselves instead of serving God. And there is a bill that comes due with that kind of thing. If more people knew and worshipped God, they would value life. That's where I learned to value God, or value life more. It was from my relationship with God. They would learn to value life the way God does. And God values all people with a great deal of love. If you have your outline ready, you're going to want to get a pencil and be ready for your outline to fill it out. We're going to be really going through the scripture this morning. Number one, all life is precious. doesn't matter who you are, where you come from doesn't matter the money your folks made or didn't make. All life is precious because God creates life. He makes it precious because he's the creator. Wouldn't that be true for you? Don't, when you make something, don't you really value that? And don't you, don't, you know, it might be something very simple or very complex, but you value that thing because you put the effort into it. You created it. You, were, you thought about it. You thought, here's what I'm going to make it out of. Here's how I'm going to make it. Here's what it's going to look like. 
That's the way God is. God looks at us. He makes each of us different. And He looks at us and He sees that we're precious to Him. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Look at it. This is where God creates the first man and woman. Verse 7, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Let's just read that again. I'll slow down a little bit. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God created Adam, the very first man from the dust of the ground, something else that God created. He took the dust of the ground and he makes this man called Adam, and he created Adam in form and in substance. In form, he creates arms, legs, a trunk, a head, hair, Fingers, toes, all of this. He created him in form, and then he creates him in substance, dust. And the Bible says that when we die, we go back to the dust from where we came. And then it says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. When God does this, he breathes into us life, something very special, and it comes from God. Isn't that amazing? It's not something he just gives. That it comes from God Himself. Life comes from God Himself. He is the creator of life. That's why He sees His creation, you and I, men and women, young people, old people, as precious. It's man who devalues man. It's man who devalues life. It's man who sins against God and against creation. Do you know what sin does? Sin draws our attention away from our Creator. Sin takes us away from God, draws us to God, lures us away from God to where we focus on something else other than God. And this is why our culture is so awash in sin and awash in the wrong things. There's nothing wrong in having a house, a nice house, a nice car, nice car. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but don't let that get in between you and God. Sin is like a railroad track that only leads one way. Right? You ever been on a train? I've been, and I've gotten to ride trains. I love riding trains. They're not the most stable, but they're fun to ride. But they only lead one way. And sin is a lot like a railroad track. It only leads one way. It leads to destruction. The destruction of the most precious gift of all, and that's life. Think about anything in this world that leads us away from God. It tends to lead us towards death. Alcohol. Alcohol leads people away from God and to themselves destroys their lives, destroys the, the family's lives, destroys uh, generations of lives in the family. Drugs. You know, we're starting to begin to talk about legalizing hard drugs in America today. Not only is it just a marijuana, but now it's all kinds of these other drugs, these heroin, cocaine. Legalize it so the government can do what? Regulate it so the government can make more money to waste, I guess, right? Yeah. Sin does it. It leads us away from God. It leads to destruction. People think life is just a mass of molecules. That's all life is. We're just a mass of molecules. We're just strands of DNA that over time somehow came together all by themselves and over time became a person. Isn't that crazy? It's no wonder people are confused today. I can't think of anything more confusing than evolution. I can't think of anything more confusing than that. When a baby is first conceived, no one knows what that life will produce. We don't know. That's the wonder of having children and grandchildren. Is You get to watch them grow up and, and see them become productive and see them become what God wanted them to be, hopefully. 
you know? And you get to mold some of that. You get to be part of that process. And, and, and you don't know what that life will produce. God will, though. God knows. He knows all of that already in advance. He creates a person. He creates each life for a purpose. So each and every one of us here today, God made us for a purpose, a reason. We've got to figure that out. Your purpose is not my purpose. Mine is yours. So we have to figure that out. I love Psalm 139, 13. Psalmist says, For you created my inmost being, that in me, my body, inside my, my shell, is the real me. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's personal. It shows how personal God is when he makes us after conception. And just to be clear, and just so that I, I need to be clear about this, God created both men and women, male and female. And he gave to each of them, he gives to each of us, a very special gift. Genesis 1.27, look at it. It says in verse 127, so God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What is this image of God that we bear? What is this gift that our creator gives us at conception when he makes us? I think it's eternity. I think it's eternity because God is eternal. And so we bear the same mark of eternity that he does. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, He made everything beautiful in his time. He also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. When he creates us, he makes us into an eternal being, a creation that's going to last forever. Now this body won't. You know that, and I know that. This body's going to stop. It's going to die. It's going to go back to the dust from which it was made. But me, myself, the, the me, the real me, will live forever. And I'm going to live forever somewhere, and so will you. Doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. Doesn't matter color your skin. Doesn't matter your economic background. Doesn't matter any of that stuff. You're created. You're going to be eternal. You're going to live forever somewhere. And the choice is up to you. Where do you want to live? God creates humans with a very unique gift. This unique gift of eternity. He doesn't give it to any other creation. He doesn't give it to dogs, cats, birds, other animals. He doesn't do it that way. He gives it to us. Eternal life. But people are confused about eternal life. And the reason why is very simple. It's again, they don't know God. So they're confused about how they came to be, which is a big question always. How they came to be. And what's going to happen when this life ends? That's another great question, an existential question of why are we here? How did I get here? And where am I going? And God creates us for a purpose. And so the answer to all these difficult questions that confuse us are found in God. So don't you think we ought to be pursuing God more than we do? I think so. I know I need to do. So that's also why it's a responsibility and a privilege for the church and for every Christian to help people discover their creator. To realize who God is, that he is their creator, that he made them, made them for a purpose, and he made them to spend eternity with him. That's the wonder of it all. We look at our world and, and we see all these troubled people that they kill and hurt. They do terrible things and God, we know that God created them and we know that God did not create them for those things. He created them for himself and yet they've wandered so far afield. Why? Because they don't know their God. They don't know their creator. And you see, this is my second point, number two. Because God is a creator, every life belongs to him. Every life. 
belongs to him. Go now with me to Exodus chapter 20. Let's look into one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20. It's a very simple one. It's verse 13. You shall not murder. You shall not murder. Amongst all of these commandments, these Ten Commandments, here in verse 13 is the sixth. Right in the middle, God says, you shall not murder. He's already said, you, you have no other God but me. You should make no other gods. Uh, you should not misuse God's name. You should remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You honor your father and mother, and you shall not murder. Have you ever thought much about Satan? Satan is a real being. He's a real spiritual being. He's a fallen angel. Um, he doesn't love anything that God loves. Nothing. Satan doesn't own anything, by the way. He steals, but he doesn't own anything. God owns everything. God owns every life, even Satan's life. God loves life. Satan hates life. He loves death. He's a murderer. Murder and killing, he loves that because murder and killing both bring an end to life. But there is a difference between those two. The Bible says killing can be accidental, unintentional, like accidentally hitting somebody with your car. But murder is always done for a reason. It's done with intent. Like Cain, his jealousy led him to murder his brother Abel in the field. We know that God saw that act as murder because of what God said in Genesis 4, verse 10. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. God knew that Cain had killed Abel. He calls it murder. Later in Genesis 9, 11, God says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God has God made man. Now, if he said that, why didn't he condemn Cain? Because he didn't. He didn't condemn Cain. He exiled Cain. He drove him away from his family and his friends. You know what this tells me? It tells me that we should be careful in using the death penalty. We should be careful about that. We shouldn't rush in just to use the death penalty without being sure and certain and convinced of the facts. God did not make the death penalty a one-size-fits-every-situation rule, and neither should we. We should be careful about that. The death penalty should only be used in the most extreme cases and the worst examples, such as the murder of children. I think that's one that the death penalty should be considered, don't you? Yes, because children are innocent and women. Or serial killers, people who are going to kill and kill and kill and continue to kill until they're stopped or they die. That should be considered then as well. But we should also remember this. God created that person who kills. God still created them. He just didn't create them to be a murderer. Psalm 139, verse 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God is the creator even of the worst of people. He just didn't make them to be that way. He also knit them together in, his, in their mother's womb. He, they are wonderfully made. They're flawed. They're sinners. And yet there's this need to balance out justice there, isn't there? We have to have justice. God, that's why God enacted the death penalty and said that if you shed the blood of someone else, your blood will be shed by man. 
But why is there so much disagreement with the death penalty today in our country? Because number three, the world doesn't see life the way God does. That's number three. The world doesn't see life the way God does. Psalm 17. Go to Psalm 17 with me. When you get there, find verse 4. In Psalm 17, verse 4, As for the deeds of men, by the words of your lips, I have kept myself from the ways of the violence. My steps have held to your paths. My feet have not said, I call on you, O God, for you will answer me. Give ear to me and hear my prayer. Show the wonder of your great love, you who save by your right hand, those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who assail me, from my mortal enemies who surround me. They close up their callous hearts and their mouths speak with arrogance. The world doesn't see life the way God does. Here in Psalm 17 is David's writings. He wrote this psalm. He wrote this while he was still king of Israel. He lived in a violent world. A violent world. It was personally violent in those days. He believed in God. He believed God was his creator, his protector, his savior. He believed all that and he lived in a very violent world. So what did he do? He goes to God to seek protection and justice. People today are the way God or David described back in verse 4. Look at verse 4 again. The words of your lips, I've kept my, I've kept, I'm sorry, by the words of your lips, I've kept myself from the ways of the violent. David said, hey God, you taught me to be a peaceful man. You have taught me to stay away from violent people. And people today are just as violent as they were in David's time in his world. And we have to be mindful. What does the Bible say about bad company versus good company? Bad company corrupts good morals, right? It says that very clearly. We have to be mindful of that. We need, to, we need God to guide us, to guide our steps, so that we aren't taken down that one-way trap, that one-way track to, to death. In verse 7, David asked God this, Show the wonder of your great love, you who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. David said, God, I know you love me. I need you to show it. I need you to prove it. I need you to act on my behalf. Now let me take refuge in you from my enemies. David believed God would respond to a person's cry for help, even against violent people. He looked to God to be the answer when he was confused. And then in verse 10, he describes violent people. Look at it. They close up their callous hearts and their mouths speak with arrogance. Isn't that amazing? They close their hearts. In other words, they won't let God work on them. And they speak with arrogance. They open their mouths. Isn't that true? So many people that get into trouble are, are, tend to be people who open their mouth when they shouldn't. There are some people who will never listen to God. They will not open their hearts to Him. I hope you're not one of them. Their hearts are calloused, closed over by scars. Their thinking is arrogant. They don't need God. They don't want God. They'll never submit to his authority, his, his uh, authority over their life. Their hearts are hardened so they don't see the way, life the way God does. And yet God is their creator too. And that's something that people turn away from God this way. God knows what they think. He knows what they say. He knows what they believe in their hearts that nobody else can see. And he will judge them for the way they live their lives. Many people today who don't know God, who don't believe in God, have heard of God, and yet they don't think God will ever judge them for the way they've lived. Listen to Proverbs 24, 
Verse 12. Listen to this. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive this? There's nobody who's going to be able to stand before God and say, God, I didn't know that right was right and wrong was wrong. I didn't know what truth was. Because there's some fundamental things that God puts into us the ability to know what truth is. Some very basic things. Now, some things we have to figure out with His guidance and the guidance of other people, but um, there are some things that He puts into our hearts, into us to know. One, that He exists. There is a Creator. We look around the world today. We see nature. We see the wonder of nature. We sang about stars earlier. He really did put each star in His place. And He knows each star by its, by its name. He gives them each a name. Billions and billions of stars. Go out sometime at night. Look at the moon. Watch the moon. See how beautiful the moon is on a full moon. See what? See how does it stay up there in the sky? How does it stay there? How does it move around? How does all this happen? Because God makes all this happen. He holds it all together. He created it all. He created it so we would turn to Him and praise Him for it. And so there's none of this saying, well, I didn't know you existed, God. I wasn't sure. So I just lived my life the best I could. Made a mess of it, but no, he'll know. If you're ever wondering how people can be so cruel, and they can be, how they can be so hard hearted, and they often are, the answer is simple they don't know God, or they wouldn't behave that way. They don't see life the way God does. And at times we have to admit that we don't either, do we? We want to see life the way we want to see life. We want life to be like we want it to be instead of listening to God. My fourth point, my last one this morning is this. We need to return to the belief that all life is precious. And all life is precious. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. When you get there, find verse 19. We need to return to the belief that all life is precious. Here we see is Moses speaking to the people he's led out of Egypt and slavery. He's led them to a new life of following God. And he says in verse 19, This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice. Hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. Yeah. When Moses led the people out of Egypt, he told them they had a choice to make. You're free. You're, you're no longer in slavery, but now you've got a choice, life or death. And you get to make this choice. This is yours. God is giving you this ability to choose. He wanted them to understand how precious life is. And by the way, don't forget, one time, Moses killed a man. So he understood the value and the preciousness of life. In verse 19, 20, he said to them, choose life. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Not just you, but you and your children. And that would also mean grandchildren and generations afterwards. That you may love the Lord your God, listen to His voice, hold fast to Him. When the Bible talks about listening to God, it's not just talking about hearing. Right? Remember as a kid when your mom or dad would say, now listen, do this, do that. Did we always listen? We heard, but we didn't always listen, did we? No. The Bible say no, listen and pay attention. Listen and respond. Hold fast to Him. The only way we can truly, truly understand how precious life is is by having our own relationship with God. Realizing how precious 
my gift of life is to me and how it is to others around them, around you. Think of Job. What do you think of when you think of Job? When you hear Job, what do you think? Misery? Yeah. Tragedy? Uh, unfair. Life is unfair, right? Uh, God's against him. Lots of these things, bad things. Well, his life fell apart. He lost everything. He said, if he could, he would ask God this question in Job chapter 10, verse 8. Your hand shaped me and made me. Will you now turn and destroy me? Remember that you molded me like clay. Will you now turn me to dust again? He's asking God. He asked God. I want to ask you this question. These questions, I want to know. Are you just going to destroy me? Are you going to destroy my entire life? Are you going to just throw me away? That's how bad off he was. That's how his life had fallen apart. And, and then Job says in chapter 10, verse 12, You gave me life and showed me kindness, and in your providence watched over my spirit. He said, God, I don't understand what's going on. I'm confused about life. But the book of Job reminds us that God is not some distant being that's gone on vacation or on a trip. That God doesn't ignore us in our, in our greatest need. It's, Job doesn't uh, reminds us that God doesn't do those things. Job tells us that God is actually near, nearer than we realize, and that God cares for every one of us more than we realize. And that God knows the circumstances of our lives and has a plan to help us. In spite of our lives falling apart at times, God wants to help us. But Job was troubled. He was always troubled through all of this book. If you read it, you'll see. Starts out really great. Got a good life, and it all just falls apart. It seemed to him that God was silent to his cry for help. But then his friend Elihu, Elihu told Job that God reached down and changed his life. That gave he gave Elihu a whole new life, and that strengthened Job, and also it renewed his faith. In Job thirty-three verse twenty-eight, Elihu said this to Job. He said, "He redeemed my soul from going down in the pit, and I will live to enjoy the light." Does that sound good? To be redeemed, to enjoy life, sounds good to me. God does all these things to a man twice, even three times. Meaning, God has this great love for us; He's willing to to take us back and take us back and take us back to turn back His soul from the pit of death, of destruction that the light of life may shine on him. Wow. This is what God wants for us. This is what God wants for you. He wants his light of life to shine on you, to give you meaning and purpose in the midst of your life that may be struggles at times. Don't turn away from God. Not now. If life is good, don't turn away from God. If life is bad, turn to God anyway. Keep turning to God. He'll redeem you. He'll let his light shine in your life. He'll give you a whole new life if you'll just learn to trust in Him. If you'll take that step of faith, accept Christ as your Savior, accept what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, and when He came out of the tomb, accept those things, and you'll have a whole new life. And yes, sin will still be in your life partly. Sin will still be there. We'll still have to fight that. We all do. Sin is a lot like a stain that gets deep into a cloth. And it doesn't matter what we try to do to put that spray and wash on it. Nothing can clean it. It's too deep. But when we ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives, when we ask him to, to come into us, he'll wash away our sins. He'll cleanse that stain away. We'll become whiter than snow. 
Not meaning a color, but meaning clean. That's what that means, to be whiter than snow. It doesn't mean color. It means to be washed clean, to be right with God, to be seen as, as pure and perfect again. I don't know if you were out a couple weeks ago when that snow came, that heavy snow. I was out, took some pictures. It was beautiful. We're going to sing Whiter Than Snow. I hope as we sing this song, God speaks to your heart. Wherever you're at with Him, maybe you're not in a relationship with Him yet, and you don't feel quite, quite right with God. We sing this song, let God speak to you about your walk with Him. Let Him wash you. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank You for the privilege of